0: Welcome to Rockbrook Church Podcast. Today's message is part of a series called Building Your Life on Values That Last. We know that God designed values for us to live by and to give us meaning and purpose in this life. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you a new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. Well, this is one of my favorite weeks of the campaign as we talk about trust today. I hope you're all ears today and you lean into this one. It's a big one. Before we get going, uh, yesterday morning, we had a training event here for those who are on our student dream team, those who minister to uh, the college age, high school, junior high. And uh, we had another church join us for the National Day of Volunteer Youth Ministry training. And it was excellent. It was a great day. And so amazed by uh, the people who serve on that dream team who open up their lives, who make room in their schedules, make room in their homes, uh, make room in their life uh, to pour into the young people in our church and really come alongside them. And uh, it's just amazing even hearing from them to hear how much uh, it goes both ways and how much they're getting out of that in their life. And uh, so uh, the young people in our church are in great hands. Can we just take a moment and appreciate the student dream team? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we also took an opportunity at that event to honor our student pastor, Andrew Walter, who has been serving in youth ministry for, get this, 22 years. And in youth pastor years, yeah, come on now. yep so awesome so Luke Bartley uh, made him a shirt he serves on our student team and our staff here uh, that you know the second Sunday student service logo you see he made 22nd year in student ministry out of that shirt and uh, so just so awesome I tell you our world our nation needs more pastors like Andrew Walter and the Bible tells us to honor honorable men so I just honor him today and thank you. he was my youth pastor love him thank him so much so awesome so awesome all right, in this series on values, uh, we have talked about choosing your standard and we have talked about accepting responsibility for your life. The next question that comes up is who are you going to trust? Who has got your trust? I was studying uh, trust this week, and um, uh, Gallup did a study empowered by Forbes where they asked what's the most trusted profession in America? What is the most trusted profession? And it wasn't telemarketers, that was down on the bottom. Uh, it wasn't Congress, that was way down there. And uh, here, here was the, worst, the most trusted profession, it is nurses, nurses. And then after that was doctors, then pharmacists, uh, then teachers came in right after, right after that. Then uh, kept studying this, Reader's Digest set out to name who America trusts the most, like actual people. They came up with a list of the 100 most trusted people in America. Who do you think was number one? It was based on integrity, character, exceptional talent, drive to personal excellence, internal moral compass, message, honesty, and leadership. Who did America say was the most trustworthy person in America? Alex Trebek was number eight. So if you were thinking he was number one, he was number eight. Who is number one? It is none other than Mr. Tom Hanks. Everybody, The most trusted man in America, and doesn't everyone remember he opened up all those FedEx packages that weren't his? <laughs> like so, what? But he made he got that one back home, didn't he? He made, he made that one, and therefore most trusted. Now, no offense to Tom, I love Tom Hanks. He is more than welcome here at Rockbrook Church. Uh, but Tom's gonna let you down. And Because uh, people are people, and nurses are going to let you down, and doctors and pharmacists and teachers are going to let you down, pastors are going to let you down, because people will let you down. So the question is, who are you going to trust? Who do you trust? And I phrase this question exactly this way, because the question is not, are you going to trust When God made you, he hardwired you to find something of value and put your trust in it. Because you're going to trust something. You cannot help it. You're going to elevate something. You're going to find value in something or someone. And you're going to put your trust in that thing for your source of significance and well-being and meaning of life and everything else. So the question is, who is that for you? Who do you trust? And if you don't learn to trust God you will create something to trust in, something to give you security. It could be money in the bank. It could be a beautiful uh, wife or husband. It could be a career, a goal, whatever. But you'll create something to worship. You'll find something of value, and you will trust in it. You will idolize something. Did you know that that's the definition of an idol? Actually, write this down with me. This is the definition. Anything I trust or value more than God is an idol idol. Anything I trust, any person, if I trust them any more than I trust God, anytime I value any person or anything before God, that's called an idol. That's the definition of an idol. And in the Ten Commandments, God said, don't make any idols. In Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 16, it says this. for, 4, read these three words with me. Your own good. Do not sin by making for yourself an idol. And then it, it, it puts this qualifier on. It says, in any form in any way now why does God want us to trust him it's really for our own good he says I want you to have a correct understanding of me and what I'm like Uh, because if if you have a correct image of me it's really for your own good this week in our study we're going to answer three questions about trust Uh, here in the weekend services in our small groups in your guide we're just going to be diving deeper into these three questions and the first question is what happens when I trust something other than God so what happens when I idolize something when it's not the one true God there's two negative effects that will always happen every time you put your trust in something more than you trust the one true God and the first one is I'm left disappointed I'm disappointed every time Anytime I expect other people to meet a need in my life that only God can meet, I'm going to be disappointed. If you take anything and base your fulfillment on that thing, you've idolized it. You've given it a place in your life that it can't hold up to. It can't hold up to that weight. And it's the idea, if just this could happen, then I'll be happy. If I could just get married, if I could just get married again, if I could find the right person, if I could make X amount of money, if I could get into the right job that's using just my exact uh, gifts and talents and things, and if I would be more fulfilled in that, then I would be confident, then I would feel good about myself, then life would be fantastic. And those things are nice. But when we value or trust in them more than God, we're only hurting ourselves, because they cannot hold up to that weight and we will be left disappointed. We're going to be discouraged by it. And Jeremiah uses a different word. It says those who make idols are disillusioned because they thought it was going to give them one thing and it ended up giving them another. They are disillusioned. Habakkuk 2.18 says of what value is an idol? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. And we look at the primitive people in the jungle who carve something out of a tree or out of a piece of wood. And we say, well, that's dumb. You made that thing. We do the exact same thing. We put our trust in stuff we made all the time. And what most often happens in our culture for that is with our careers. We look to a certain career. We finally get into a job with just the right group of people doing just the right thing. And it's a lot of fun. And it's really good. But we start saying things like, you know what, I think me to do this job is really my purpose. That it's my meaning, it's why God created me, is to do this thing. It's the meaning for life, it's my meaning of significance, it's my purpose for living. And it's what gives us, what gives us self-worth. We're disillusioned. Look at what the Bible says. This is so strong. This is God speaking. You'll read this whole chapter, Isaiah 44, in your small group this week. The poor, deluded fool. God does not pull his punch when it comes to idolizing things. He trusts in something that cannot help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? And when we trust in anything besides God to take care of us, ultimately, we're going to be disappointed, we're going to be disillusioned, we're going to be discouraged. And it's why there's so much discouragement in our culture today. The second thing that happens uh, when we put our, our faith, our trust, value in something other than God, is I am controlled. We end up being controlled by it. What you put your trust in, and what you value is going to lead you, it's going to influence you, it's going to control you. 1 Corinthians twelve two. you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced, and that word influenced is very, very strong. It's not like, oh, it just kind of played a role in my life. No, it's, it had the reins of your life that it grabbed a hold of you, it controlled you, it manipulated you, it influenced you and led you astray to a dead end, to mute idols, not to the living God, not to a life of life, but to a dead end, to a God that couldn't do anything for you. If you made a list of the top 10 most important things to you and put them in order, whatever is in first place is your God. God. If you say, this is the highest value in my life, that's the thing you're living for. And if it is not the God, you've just idolized that thing. Whatever is in first place, whatever you value most, eventually will control you. It'll be the thing that influences all your decisions and influences your life. That's why I suggest you better make it God, the one true God, because he's the only one wise enough, true enough, to give you the right directions every time. This is exactly how addictions start. We start in with something, and pretty soon it becomes so important that we think we're controlling it, but we're not controlling it, are we? It's controlling us. Psalm 115.8 says, Those who make idols end up like them, so does everyone who trusts them. Whatever I value most in life, I'm going to become like. If I value money, most important in life, I'm going to become a materialist. If I value pleasure, most important in life, I'm going to become a hedonist. If I, if I value uh, only what works, most important in life, I become a pragmatist. I can't help it. But if I value Jesus Christ, number one, highest value in my life, what do I become? A Christian. I become more like Christ. Christ. Whatever you put top value in your life is going to shape you. And if it's not the one true God, it's going to warp and distort you. Why do we do this? Instead of just trusting God, why do we put our trust in all these other things to give us significance and meaning? The reason we create idols is because we want a God we can control. We want to shrink him down to size and put him in his little box, and we want a God in a box, and there's all different kind of size boxes we like to put God in, and the first size box we like to put God in is this 80 by 85 foot room, this warehouse. We like to put God in this room and say, this is where, uh, this is where I'm going to learn about you and get to know you. But if you could just stay in that room, that would be great. And it comes out even in the most well-meaning things that we say. If we tell kids, don't run in church. This is God's house. Guys, this is a warehouse. If it was God's house, it'd be a lot nicer than this. That's for sure. But God is not limited to this room. God is not, he does not live in temples built by human hands. But we shrink him down to size. We whittle him down. We want to to assign him to a box called the church building and then take him out in a little bit smaller box and we put him over there and we say, there's your box, God. You stay in there. I'll stay over here. I'll call you when I need you. And if you don't come out exactly when I called you, exactly how I need you to, then you're not real you're not true, and I doubt you. And guess what? A God like that isn't real, isn't true. That's not who God is. That's not what God is. God is not assigned to a little box in our lives. He is everywhere, whether we want him there or not. And God says, don't reduce me. Don't put me down. Don't make me an idol. Don't fit me into your convenience. This is a very important question all of us have to ask at one time or another in our life. It's not in your notes, but you may want to write it down. Do I exist for God or does God exist for me? Who's who? You have to answer it. Now, obviously, God made you so you exist for God. We are God's to do with as he pleases. But if you say God exists for me, you don't have a God Uh, You have a box, you have a very, very small box that you get to carry around you and it looks much more like a a genie in a lamp that I get to rub every once in a while and he comes out and he'll do exactly what I ask him and I'll call on him when I need him because he exists for me. But who exists for who? God said, I'm going to make man in my own image and today we say the opposite. Man says, I'm going to make God in my image. I'm going to whittle him down to size. I'm going to fashion him the way I want. He's going to be like I want him to be so I can do whatever I want to do. And we each create our own little God. And God says, That's called making an idol. Don't do it. He says, Don't do it. Don't reduce me down in size. Don't cut me into pieces. Don't misrepresent me. Do you like being misrepresented? How do you feel when someone talks about you and says something that you said, but it's not really what you said? Do you like being mischaracterized? Do you like being misrepresented? No, it ticks you off. And if you read through scripture, it ticks God off. He doesn't pull his punch. He doesn't mince mince words. He hates it. And we, God gets ticked off when we say, this is what God is like, and that's not what he's really like. He says, don't misrepresent me. Don't say I'm one way when I'm really another. He takes it very seriously for our own good. Because when we mix this and that, and we say, well, it's some of this religion, and some of this religion, and a little bit of what I think. It's no longer what God is really like. And eventually, it's going to disappoint me, it's going to control me, it's going to lead to destruction in my life. I lose my identity because I stop becoming who God made me to be. So then the next question that we've got to ask is, why don't I trust God more? Why don't I trust God more? And this is probably the question on your mind because you bothered to come to church today. Why don't I trust Him more? Why do I end up trusting in all these other things? And the answer is because I don't really know God. If you don't know God and you don't know what he's really like and you have phony ideas about him. You're not going to trust him. Because when God says things like, "Uh, I want you to tell the truth all the time, even on your taxes, you're going to say, what? Who are you to tell me what to do? Who thinks that's a good idea? When God says uh, things like, I thought up sex and I want it reserved only for marriage. If you don't really know God, you're going to say, who are you to tell me what to do with my sex life? And you're not going to trust him. If you don't know God, you tend to question everything he asks you to do. On the other hand, if you really know God, and you really know how much he matters to you, and how much you matter to him, and if you really know what he's got in store for your life, if you really understand he has your best interest at heart, It's really no trouble at all following what he says to do. Now, it may not always make sense. It may be difficult. There may be hard things in it. But you know, it all comes down to, I know him and I know he wants the best for me. Psalm 910 says, those who know the Lord, trust him. Those always go hand in hand. The more you know God, the more you will trust him. That's why uh, God says in the Bible, I want to make sure you really know the real me, not some phony image, not some image you were handed, not some idol. And there are many images of God that we make up. And people often say, well, I like to think of God like, and they fill in the blank. And I want to say, friend, you're just guessing. You want me to base my whole eternity on your guess? you're just coming up with things you're just inventing ideas you're gonna base your whole life on a guess of what you feel he's like and i don't want to be disrespectful but who cares what you think who cares what i think And God is not what Ryland says God is like. God is not what you say God is like. What matters is what's true, what he's actually like. And he's very clear about it. He says, if you don't know the truth about me, you can't trust me. And if you can't trust me, we can't have a relationship. Because any good relationship, if it's genuine, is built on truth and on trust. And the alternative to trusting God is always more worry, more conflict, and feeling like you've got to control it all and that is very stressful. It's a miserable way to live. And God says, why don't you just trust me? I've got a better idea. Now, why should I do that? Why should I trust God completely with my life? Let me give you four reasons. The first one is because God always tells the truth. When God tells you what he's like, it's the truth. The Bible says we can completely count on him for what? If, uh, Hebrews 6.18, for it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Is there anything God cannot do? He cannot tell a lie. It's impossible for him. Why? Because it goes against the very essence of his nature. God cannot contradict himself because he is the essence of truth. And that means we can count on him. Jesus said, I am the truth. And in a world where we no longer value the truth, Romans 3.4 tells us, God will continue to be true even when every other person is false. God stands. God's word stands. So why can I count on God? Because he always tells the truth. Why else should I trust God completely? Number two, because God loves me. God loves me. He says it over and over in the Bible, many, many places. He demonstrates it in your life. Every day, you were created as an act of God's love. Sometimes people say, well, God doesn't love me. Friend, if God didn't love you, he wouldn't have created you. The creation of you is an act of God's love. The greatest expression of that is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is God on earth in form of a human being, God incarnate, to show us what his love for us is really like. He took it all the way to the cross, dying for us on the cross. He says, that's how much I love you. And if you ever want to know what God is really like, take a good, long look at Jesus Christ. In Colossians 2, it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. It also comes from the spiritual powers of this world. Rather than... From Christ, because it is in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. If you want to know what God is really like, take a good long look at Jesus. The picture God gave us is Jesus. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. God the Father said, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Sometimes people say, how can you, how can you say that Jesus is the only way? I disagree with that. And I say, well, you don't disagree with me. You disagree with Jesus. I didn't say that. He did. You don't disagree with Rockbrook Church. You disagree with God. You disagree with Jesus. He's the one who said that. And if you have a problem with that, I suggest you better check it out because he's either a liar or he's telling the truth and you're betting your whole eternity on it. So what, what keeps us from trusting God in this way? It's always fear. The Fear is always what keeps us from trusting God more. There's three great fears I have found people have when it comes to trusting God. Number one, we fear that if I really give my life to God, I'll lose my freedom, that I won't have my freedom anymore to to do what I want to do. It's going to be confining. It's going to be constricting. Or people say, if I really give my life to God, I'll lose my fun, that God wants to rob me of all the joy and all the fun activities of my life. Couldn't be further from the truth. Or if I really give my life to God, I'll become a fanatic, that God is going to, just caused me to do all this bizarre behavior and I'm going to become a crazy nut job. But if you really know what God is like and you know that he tells the truth and you know that he loves you, do you think God is going to turn you into a nutcase? No. The more you know about God, the more you trust him. The less you're afraid of these things. 1 John four sixteen says, we know the love God has for us and where God's love is, I don't fear that I'll lose all my fun or my freedom or I'll become some crazy person. No, because God's perfect love drives out the fears in my life. And we can trust God completely because he does love us. He wants the best for us. Number three, why should I trust God completely? Because God is in control. Obviously, God is in control. He created the universe. He could snap it out of existence in a moment if he wants to. God is working his purpose and his plan into history One day, Jesus Christ is going to come back to earth. It's going to be a climactic moment in all of history, and nothing can thwart it. Nothing can stop it. And he will work your life for a purpose, if you'll allow him to. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes what? Everything. I keep looking up this word, and it really actually means everything. All things. Good and bad in your life to work together for the good of not for everybody, but for those who love God, those who trust him and are called according to his purpose for them. It does not say God causes everything. God does not cause everything. He does not cause evil. He does not cause wars. He doesn't cause rape, doesn't cause abortion. God has given us the freedom to choose and sometimes we make evil choices and it hurts innocent people. The Bible says that God will work everything together for good. He'll cause it all for good. It's not a promise for everybody. It's for those who trust in God, for those who love God. And when we trust God, when we give him our whole life completely and say, I'm going to stop hanging on to it. Here's all the pieces, God. Here's my future. Here's my past mistakes. Here's my sins. Here's everything about my life, the evil that I've done, the evil that's been done to me. God will work it all together for good. You see, God has given us free choice, but choice is not unlimited. We have the choice to believe in God, or we have the choice to say, Jesus Christ, I don't believe you. I think you are lying, and I don't trust you, and I'm going to be an agnostic or an atheist or something else. You're free to make that choice in your life. You're not free from the consequences of that choice. Once you make a choice, you're no longer free. We live in a cause and effect universe, and you're free to make the choice, but once you make that choice, you're left with the consequences of that choice. I have a free choice to get drunk tonight or not, but once I make the choice, I gotta hang over the next day, whether I want it or not. We're not free to choose all the consequences. We have our free choice, and every time God says, here's the line, don't step over it. Once we step over it, we're no longer free from the consequences. God is in control, and if we'll trust him, that's very good news, because what's the consequence of trusting God? Everything working together for the good of those who love him. It's good news if you'll believe it. It's only good news if you'll trust him. But God is in control. Why else can we trust God completely? Number four, because God will help me. God will help me. There are so many promises of this. Here's one from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do. And he will give you success. So how do you know if you're really trusting God? Like what, is there like a gauge or a meter or something on the dashboard of your life that you could look to to know if you really trust God or not? You know by observing how quickly you obey when he tells you to do something. Is it immediate or is it delayed? Do you procrastinate? Do you put up an argument? What do you do? When I was a kid, my dad, who is a pastor, got a phone call in the evening. It was a couple who uh, God had just been getting a hold of their life and uh, they had been living together for a while and as they were growing closer to God they learned the truth and realized that they weren't honoring God with their relationship, that they needed uh, to get married, they needed to make a commitment to one another, Uh, they needed to make a vow to one another before God and, and, and get God in on their relationship. And they said, uh, Pastor Kelly, we need to get married. And I don't know how well they knew him or if it was just the only pastor they knew to call, but my dad grabbed me and we came up to the church that night and married him. And I just remember that as a great evidence of trust. That how amazing that they get to know in that moment how much they trusted God. That they didn't think about it, they didn't delay, they trusted. How quickly do you trust God? How quickly do you confess your sins? How quickly do you do what God asks you to do after you learn the truth? And when you do those hard things, they take courage. But when you do those hard things, regardless of the earthly consequences, you get to know how much you really trust God. And maybe you've been burned in the past uh, with some phony images of God. Maybe you were raised up in a religious system that taught you a warped view of God, a distorted view of God, and you don't really want to love him. You don't really want to know him. You don't really want to trust him. Can I tell you, he is trustworthy. He is worthy of your trust. He's everything we've talked about today and so much more. I I have a two-year-old son who, he loves to jump uh, everywhere. Uh, He you know like the the inch and a half threshold at the garage of the concrete he runs up to that and goes and jumps over it we're walking down the hallway yesterday and there's a piece of lint in the hallway and he goes jumps over it so he's standing on the step of our porch and i'm trying to get him to jump off of it into my arms and he's just so scared you ever do that with your kids at the pool? where they come up to the edge and you're trying to get them to jump off into your arms into the pool and their knees are knocking and they're just so scared and you're like, just trust me, just jump in, just I've got you, there's no way, I'm not going to, just jump, just jump. And finally, they get to the point where they jump in and you move out of the way and they go down to the bottom <laughs> and you look at them and laugh. And it's so fun. And you catch them. And it's just so amazing in that moment. said, They trust me. Trust is so fun. Trusting God is the most amazing adventure of life. And when you take Jesus up on his call, the Jesus Christ who's looking at you today and saying, Don't be afraid, just trust me. Don't be afraid, just trust me. Do you know how that makes God feel? When you step across the line, he says, finally, my child trust me. The one I created, the one I made, the one I've loved before they even existed. Finally, they trust me and I can prepare a place for them in heaven. You know, what I'm talking about today is not just to, for those of you who are seekers. This message is for those of you who have been Christians 20, 30, 40 years, and you've never really given everything in your life to God. You've held back your finances, you've held back your career, you've held back your time, you've held back certain things in your life. And one day, when you finally jump fully into His arms and say, 100% God, I'm all in. I don't care if it's popular, I don't care if it's difficult, I don't care if I have to give up some of these things in my life, you're worth it, you're trustworthy. I'm going to say what you tell me to do. I'm going to do what you say. And I'm giving you my dreams, my hopes for the future. God, I give it all to you. I give you the things I'm ashamed of in my past. Give you all my hopes for my future. I'm jumping into your arms. Let's pray together. Take that step of faith today. What are you waiting on? Start trusting God. Pray this prayer in your mind. Say, dear God, I want to get to know you better so I can trust you more. God, I don't want to accept all the phony ideas and images about you that are floating around today. I want to base my life on the truth about you, not just what people imagine. Would you please forgive me for the times that I thought I knew better when I decided what was best for me and not what you wanted? Not what you knew was best. God, I realized that was foolish. That was arrogant of me. God, please forgive me for looking to other things and to other people for my self-worth, my significance, my confidence and purpose. God, please help me to do what you say even when I don't understand it. I want to trust you. I want to trust the truth of your word to be my standard for making decisions. and for knowing who you are. Church our memory verse this week is Psalm 31:14. It says, "But but my trust is in you, O Lord. You are my God." And I wonder what that sentence needs to be added to in your life. What crisis are you facing today? What relationship struggle, what health struggle? What image of God, warped image of God have you been handed? That you've created and maybe you just need to make that statement today of I see this thing in my life, I see this thing in the world, I see this fear, but my trust is in you, O oh Lord. You are my God. It's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.